It is not the gifts that make the difference. It is the time that we spend together, the memories that we create for each other that are lasting, that we remember. From First Community Church in Columbus, Ohio, this is Still Listening with Julie and Glenn Miles. This is Glenn and Julie, and we, we are, are still, still listening. listening. It's been a, a very interesting day at our, at our house today. I won't get into uh, all of it, but just let me say, summarize it by saying both our dogs, dogs are, are sick Ill. or ill. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, and so you don't want to hear about any of that. But we are here to talk today about Advent and the season of Advent and the time of preparing for the arrival of the Christ child and the celebration that comes around the season of Christmas. And it's interesting to note that in our lives, um, the season of Advent wasn't something that we spent time celebrating, at least as we were growing up. Um, right after uh, we graduated from college, we moved back to uh, or back for me to California, to Northern California, to a little church in Hanford, uh, in the Central Valley of Northern California, uh, where we met our good friend to this day, uh, Doug Dornhecker, who uh, was my first boss right out of school, and he helped us uh, discover this whole idea of the celebration of the season of Advent as a time of preparing uh, for um, Christmas and the value of waiting. And the value and, of waiting and preparing and, and hearing the old uh, uh, prophetic texts from Isaiah and Jeremiah and Malachi and, and seeing uh, in, in them a reminder of what um, at least the Hebrew people had been uh, longing for for centuries, uh, a sense of hope, and a sense of, of peace and shalom and the world being made new again. And um, it really was a new, new experience for us. And then we went off to seminary in Tennessee. And, and, uh, at Watauga Avenue. Presbyterian Church. I heard a little Tennessee in there. Yeah. A little Wadalga Avenue Presbyterian <laughs> Church. Don't say Tennessee. Um, Julie did not speak Tennessean when we first got there. No, I did not. Now she speaks it fluently. Um, as I recall, you especially were in charge the next year, weren't you, of the uh, I Hank think we did, and we incorporated a lot of the youth group kids in the program and um, became more of a youth focus, and it was it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. Got real creative with some of it. I think I probably stole your notes and turned them into my worship class at seminary, <laughs> and and got an A in that on that uh, with that assignment. So um, I owe you for that for for a long time still. Um, but it was back to Doug, right. who really um, in Hanford, who really helped us see the value of Advent as a family. Um, undertaking in other words that it was it happened at the church but then you brought that home to your children and to the family unit to to kind of celebrate with um readings and christmas carols and um kind of a check-in with our kids to see how the day went is there anything that you want to share you know so really we just took a hour hour and a half and set it aside every evening just to be with our kids and to spend time and I can remember that some uh Nate didn't particularly like all the readings and all that kind of stuff but he loved the carol singing um Stephen actually loved to pray he at the end of uh each advent um We'd light a candle, and we would check in, and we would sing carols, and then one of us each evening would say a prayer. Um, and it was a time that we really focused on each other. Um, and I really think that that, um, to this day, even though as they got older, that 
became more difficult to do that, it still became a very important thing for them. It was a fun way for us to get centered. The TV was off. There were, of course, in those days there were no phones. Or at least not. Maybe I was the only one who had a had a smart had a phone, a mobile phone of some kind. Um, but it was really that opportunity for us just to sit down and relax and enjoy each other and, and be together. And, uh, and I, I, really, I really do kind of miss it. I think in a way it sort of morphed as the boys got older into our Sunday night uh, impromptu dinner gatherings. Yeah. Which almost became they, a regular thing too when we were all in Kansas City where they'd show up about 6 or 7 o'clock and we'd have dinner together. And we might end up watching Game of Thrones or something uh, later or a movie that night uh, together in our, in our basement um, on the big screen TV and, and all of that. So it, it, it definitely says that there's something about uh, taking, making time, just making. making time and taking a deep breath to be with each other and, and without any other real, real agenda. Do you remember when the kids were really little, how we would alternate years and they got to pick the Christmas tree? Right. Yeah. I think, I think we're moving ahead into Christmas traditions on, on, <laughs> yeah, on, on but, that one a little bit, but yeah. But that usually happened that week between Thanksgiving and the first week of December. Right. Right. You know, which was just before Advent, and we really made uh, made that a tradition. Well, I, that... I remember that we that after a while we started buying two Christmas trees <laughs> um, because we had to have more. We had so many decorations. We had to do, we had two trees to decorate. Um, I also remember, yeah, it was our first Christmas in Kansas City in two thousand three, and and the University of California Golden Bears were playing on a a um, in a bowl game on the twenty sixth. I remember and, that. And remember that? And that meant we had to get up early and catch a plane the next day after Christmas. And Stephen was so upset because it was just like there's it was so messing many. Up with, it's messing with our traditions. It's messing with our traditions. And there's so many things we do the week after Christmas that we're not going to do. And why are we doing this? And this is it mom, why isn't mom going? And then we came back. And as I recall, I think you bought a fake tree uh, while I we did. were gone. And which, he was very upset. So, so he, basically by the end of that week, he was mad at both of us. <laughs> Because <laughs> we had messed with the traditions that had been a part of his entire six-year-old life. Yeah. Um, but even that's, in a, in a sense, a positive sign of we we actually helped establish that idea of this is a, this matters and this is important when we pick out the trees together or when we have Advent time together. And... Well, it also t- tells the kids or told our kids that your contribution to this celebration matters to us right. as your parents. It's important for families to develop these sorts of traditions because it creates a sense of grounding and a sense of connection. And it, it also helps the message be heard more clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, even in the midst of questions and doubts and wonders and worries and is there really a God and all, some of the questions that we've dealt with in our own family with our boys in some very serious ways, um, it's, it even somehow allows the, the, the universality, sorry, I'm using a big um, <laughs> uh, theological word, it allows the universality of Jesus' message to, to be heard through. Um, you, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of quotes like from people like Gandhi who would say, uh, I like your Christ, I don't so much like you Christians. That, that's hard for me to even quote it out loud because it, it feels like such a put down. But on the other hand, um, sometimes we, we, we Christians we lose sight, of... we lose sight of what is the real message and what is this about? And, and we, we overwhelm the tree with gifts and we overwhelm our, our time with parties and things. And, and at the end of it all, we can't wait until we can sleep 
till noon on the 26th. Um, I don't quite think that's what it's about. Um, uh, another one of our traditions, though, while uh, we're, we're still on this, that I, that I really like that we've developed uh, now with our boys as, as they've gotten older is coming home after the 11 o'clock service. We did this last year here at First Community. I called Nate two days ago, and I said, Hey, Nate, tell me what traditions, Christmas traditions, do you remember the most or that you resonate with the most? And that's what you're about to talk about is what means the most to him. Go to church at 11, stay all the way through midnight for the midnight service to be concluded, and then come home after it takes me usually 30 minutes to gather up my stuff and, and get out the door and finally get home. And when I do get home, there's this nice spread of, of that they that while you're at the church working, they've helped me prepare all the appetizers all day on the 24th. Yeah. And we've created a couple of little fun drinks to have afterwards. And it's that that Nate remembers the most. Uh, I know we've had we've had several uh, times like that where we said, well, we might watch the um uh, midnight mass from Rome. Yeah. It's obviously, it's a it's a tape delay or recorded earlier, whatever it is that they say about those. But we sit and watch that and and critique the Pope's sermon, or uh, we've, we've or they critique yours. Or, <laughs> what? No, of course they do. Um, or we find in another service. I, I, last year there was a service that was recorded here in the United States somewhere. I think it might have been. At a, at a church in New York City, it doesn't matter. It was a beautifully uh, prepared service, and and uh, it's, it, again, it becomes that moment to be together and in quiet. Um, sometimes it can get celebratory. Raucous. Sometimes too. it can get a little crazy. Um, and now, now that they're yeah. older, we don't have to wake up at five o'clock to uh, open presents, which that, <laughs> that's kind of nice too. Um, but yeah, I think I think it was just interesting to me that that was the moment that he remembered that came first was the time spent together afterwards. After we moved to San Francisco, um, I was a little bit older then, uh, we developed a similar tradition in my family where we'd go to, we always went to worship on Christmas Eve at 11. We didn't have four or five services, we had one because my dad was certainly, you're only supposed to have one and it's at 11, um, PM and it's over at midnight and you sing joy to the world. None of this silent night stuff for my dad <laughs> back in those days. Um, but then we get home kind of the same way our family does now about 1230. And we had the tradition was everybody got to open one present. You could just pick one present out of the tree and open it. And it was just became really fun and kind of, kind of like a nice little precursor of what was coming the next, next day. I do remember going home for college. You might've been there, Julie. We went home, came home from, from college, uh, one Christmas and it was probably me. I have to confess. It was probably me. I picked the second present up and just sat there and slowly and carefully <laughs> tore the paper the whole time looking at my mom and dad while they were going, Glenn. And I just opened that. And pretty soon my little brother, Dave, who was easily influenced by me, went over to the tree and he just started tearing into his presents. And pretty soon by uh, 1245, we'd opened every single present. Um, now, do you remember any of those gifts that you got that year? Do you remember? I, well, I know that I got a Cal T-shirt and a Cal hat because my dad because you always, always got gave a Cal me a Cal T-shirt, T-shirt and, and a Cal hat. No, I don't remember but, any of the gifts, but I remember the moment, yeah. But see, that to me is the message, that sometimes we as parents want our children to be happy. So we think that means 
giving our kids absolutely everything that they've put on their Christmas list. And if we forget one thing, that's just going to not be a beautiful Christmas. It is not the gifts that make the difference. It is the time that we spend together, the memories that we create for each other that are lasting, that we remember. And I really, I really think that speaks to the, to the message that, that we're trying to portray in the, in the midst of all of it anyways, is it's about, it's about being together. It's about finding community. It's about finding a place where you're loved and accepted and welcomed, where there's no barriers at the door or anything else that, that keep you away. Ultimately, that's, that's what I'm preaching about. That's what we sing about. That's what the whole idea of the incarnation is, is that God came to be with us and to be at home with us. And theologically, we can argue and discuss and go off on huge tangents about what exactly that means. But, but for most people, myself included, what it really means is a sense of home, of feeling like I'm finally home. sermon series I did, please, please say yes, um, uh, a few years ago uh, based on the, the song, I'll Be Home for Christmas. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, got, I got more positive feedback on that sermon series, probably than anything else I've ever done, because I, I really focused on, on the idea of being at home. And, and what does it mean to be at home? What does it mean to feel like you're connected and, and, and accepted and, and loved? And it really has nothing to do with the building. Right. Or the walls or the, the style of house or right. the, it has everything to do with how connected we are with one another. You, you mentioned the Dornheckers, our, our friend Doug Dornhecker, and his wife's name is Kathy. And, and uh, I've just learned that they're moving to uh, Sun City, Arizona. Um, they're 70 years old now, and I don't think of them as being 70 years old because they're just so fun and energetic and, and exciting to be around. But I, I, I was texting with Kathy the other day, and I, I asked if she's excited, and she said, absolutely, I'm excited because wherever Doug goes is where I want to go, and that's where I want to mm-hmm. be at home. And that's, that's just kind of like the beauty of the story. It's, it's people, people have said to me, what's it like moving from different places? And I've said more than once, wherever Julie is is home. If Julie's there with me, well, that's where I'm home. Um, if it's Columbus, and that's where it is now, um, that's, that's our home because we're, we're there together now. We love Columbus, and we love all the restaurants and all the great things about, about being here. But it, ultimately, it's not about where you are specifically. It's about whether or not you're loved and accepted when you walk in the door mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And what a gift that if you can somehow communicate that to your children, um, that, you, that somehow that they, it doesn't matter about the gifts. It doesn't matter about the... Um, popularity it doesn't matter about all that as long as you feel connected all of our listeners are going to hear me say three words that you long to hear every day you are right (laughs) (laughs) and and having said having said that but that was so hard for you because and it has a lot to do with you know well and i think i've I've talked in the past about uh, sometimes in sermons this bubbles into sermons um how oftentimes what we're trying to do with other folks in our families or people that we're close to is actually heal a wound of our own. Right, right. And, and I know 
I know a lot of what I was trying to do with buying them every single thing on the list was the pain I felt one year, I think it was third mm-hmm. grade, mm-hmm. when my dad sat down with, the, with me, because I was the oldest, even though I was only in third grade. I was the oldest of four, and he said, there's going to be no Christmas this year. We don't have any money. Still the idea that, that we weren't going to get anything. And so that, what, I, what I've tried to do, and you're still right, what I tried to do was make sure our boys would never feel that way. But the, the point that's so cl- clear is it's not about having a 15-item list be completely filled. Well, this, this is my point, is when I was young, we didn't have money either. We lived on a farm, so we always had to create our own fun. I remember during the holidays when it would freeze over Sutton's Pond. And my brothers, who were, my oldest brother was eight years older than I am, would haul wood out to this pond and we would build a big, huge bonfire and roast marshmallows and hot dogs and all that. And the whole community came out and we would skate till midnight. We'd have our skates on and we would, it was beautiful, big moon. I remember, those are the times that I remember the most as a child is that we created our own fun and our own celebratory uh, atmosphere and it didn't limit to just our family it actually incorporated the whole community i i think we've we've um we we've reminded ourselves if no one else of (laughs) of the importance of the season and and that it's really about making a room uh, for the sacred in your own home in your own own life whatever that means to you uh, we're looking forward to uh, our boys coming here on uh, December 23rd and spending almost a week with us. And and we'll get the chance once again to say, um, it's not about the stuff. Mm-hmm. The stuff can be fun. <laughs> but it's not ultimately about the stuff. It's about the time we spend with each other and the joy of being in that place. I'm taking, making an effort to create um, memories with one another. And so let me close with these words. You are right. <laughs> If you have a topic idea for our next podcast, please submit it to glenmiles.org or message the First Community Church Facebook page.